grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this Good Friday evening is from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is no one to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouths at me as as ferocious, roaring lions, and I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. And you lay me in the dust of death. For the dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They've pierced my hands and pierced my feet. I can count all my bones. They look. They stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and my clothing they cast for lots. Dear friends of Christ, in my sermon tonight, I want you to listen to how I use alliteration. You'll hear the repetitive sound of S, which represents the hiss of the satanic serpent as our suffering Savior was sacrificed for our sins. As you hear the hiss throughout the sermon, he hisses as Christ is prepared to be put on the cross, and he hisses when the plan of our salvation is fulfilled. And yet God is in control throughout. We call this Holy Week. It is the most important week of the whole church year. We relive Christ's final seven days on earth, and we draw nearer to the cross. Well, in our text from Psalm 22, it takes us to Mount Calvary. This is the text that I read last night as you walked out of the worship service after Monday, Thursday. And no one can read Psalm 22 without knowing it's talking about Jesus and the cross. It's talking, it mentions His suffering, it mentions His crucifixion, It mentions his death. And even though King David wrote about the crucifixion 1,000 years before Christ was born, it sounds like it was written by Jesus himself. Listen to the first verse. You can hear the words of Jesus, the words Jesus spoke nearly 2,000 years ago. My God... My God, why have you forsaken me? We read about Christ in the Gospels. They record the last seven sentences spoken by Jesus on the cross. But Psalm 22 adds something that the Gospels don't. It reveals thoughts that were running through Jesus' mind as he hung there above the crowd that watched him die. This psalm takes us inside our Savior's head. We learn about his mental anguish and sorrow, about his physical fatigue and pain. The enemies of Jesus mocked. They mocked him, and this is what he was thinking. A band of evildoers has encircled me. They have opened their mouths to attack me like ferocious, roaring lions. 
and I can count on my bones. People stare and gloat over me. Dogs have surrounded me. And with a howl of delight, Christ's enemies are called dogs. And they have surrounded him on the cross. And they see him powerless. Though this once invisible, invincible, clever rabbi who had stymied all their plans, their clever plots, and had thwarted all their crafty plans, to which too often they'd been able to walk, he had been able to walk right through them without anybody even being able to land a hand, lay a hand on him, was now fastened safely to the cross. He couldn't escape. So now was the time for the dogs to gloat and to stare, to revel in their victory. And these dogs, they growl and they bark. So now, scornfully yapping in the afternoon darkness as Christ was crucified, their scornful yapping continued from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And oh, how it must have pained Jesus. They snarled, those dogs did, with satanic glee. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires. For he said, I am the Son of God. And those who passed by hurled insults at him. You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Oh, how the sound of the howling hounds must have pierced the perfect, sinless heart of Jesus. But the barking dogs didn't know. They didn't know Jesus could not come down and would not ever come down from the cross. Jesus refused to save himself. They didn't know. Jesus was dying to save them from their sins. And so Jesus looks at the dogs and says, These dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encircled me. Think about what it means to be encircled by a band of evil men. Think about what it would be like to be trapped in a dark alley with evil men, with an evil gang. And imagine, if you can, that moment. And then you'll understand the terror. The rush of anxiety that floods your mind. The pounding of your heart in your chest. The cold sweat in your palms. And the fear that grips your soul. And as the gang moves in, taunting and threatening you with menacing movements... And wearying you with their weapons, then you understand Christ's hopeless happenstance. 
If you've had or ever had an experience like that, then you can sense a little of what our Savior sensed. Yet unless that gang proceeds to mug you, to beat you, to mock you, to torture you, and to kill you, you don't even know half of what Jesus went through. The dogs that surrounded Jesus had a bite, every bit as bad as their bark. In the 16th verse of our text, we hear Jesus say, They have pierced my hands and my feet. King David predicted how Jesus would die, how the hands and feet of Jesus would be pierced. There's something spectacular about this prophecy. You see, King David lived 1,000 years before the birth of Christ, and crucifixion was unknown. In fact, crucifixion would not be introduced into the world for another 300 years. But David writes about it in a very familiar way. Isn't that odd? But not for God, because he predicted the whole event. With this psalm, we enter into the mind of Christ, and we hear him thinking, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. In other words, he can sense his strength seeping away. He feels the pain of each breath. In fact, it takes every ounce of his strength to seize one breath. The muscles of his ribcage are so exhausted that breathing is a task. The weight of his arms and his bloody beaten back made his muscles spasm and made his bones feel out of joint. His arms and legs cramped. But that's not all. Jesus also wants us to know what's going on inside his heart. His heart is turned to wax. No, my heart is turned to wax. It is melted away within me. I'm burning up with fever. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. Yes, Jesus' mouth was as dry as a desert. He had a thirst that could not be satisfied. No angel would rush in to rescue him, but the worst was still to come. Soon his soul would suffer a much greater sting than his flesh. Soon God the Father would punish our Savior for all our sins, and that's when Jesus spoke. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Son of God, forsaken by his heavenly Father. How can that be? Well, we must remember who our Savior is, the Son of God, our substitute, our sin-bearer. Isaiah's words ring true. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. 
And the Lord has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. God laid our sins on the sinless one. And that's why Paul wrote, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yes, God made the Savior to be sin for us. To bear the satanic curse for us. Our sin caused God's wrath to rest on Jesus. And that's why Jesus abandoned, was abandoned on the cross. And that's why God threw the soul of Jesus into the fiery pit of hell. And we'll never understand the depth of this kind of suffering. And when all our sin was punished in our Savior, He spoke. It's finished. Jesus completed the work of our salvation, the work of our redemption, and said, Father, into your hand I commend my spirit. Psalm 22 says, You lay me in the dust of death, and with that he breathed his last. So how do you fit into that picture? How do you fit into that redemptive story? According to the law, our sins caused our Savior to suffer. We drove the nails into his feet and the nails into his hands. But according to the gospel, when our Savior died for our sins, safely, with our sins safely secured to his back, to his flesh, we died to sin once for all. Paul writes, so you must consider yourself yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I have a question. What's the difference between people who carry guns into a high school to kill innocent children? And what's the difference between people like Adolf Hitler and you and me? There is no difference. Scripture says there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. From God's perspective, sin makes us all equal. However, the opposite is also true. The cross makes all believers equally forgiven and saved in Christ. Sometimes we have trouble with that. Let me explain by using a true story told by an LCMS pastor. A young woman came to join his church. She came to trust in her Savior. She became a strong Christian, a faithful member of the congregation. Her former life had been rough and rugged, involving alcohol and drugs and prostitution. But she was now a changed woman. Then this faithful young Christian caught the eye of the pastor's son. Their relationship grew, and they fell in love. But the trouble did not start until they decided to get married. 
You see, about half the church did not think this woman's past was suitable for the pastor's son. They had a dispute, and the church struggled and fought about this matter. So they decided to have a meeting. And as the people made their arguments, the tensions increased. The meeting got out of hand. The young woman became very upset about all the things that were being said about her past. She started to weep. And when the pastor's son could take her weeping no longer, he stood up and addressed the congregation. My fiancé's past is not what is on trial here. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. So, does it wash away sin or not? The whole assembly gasped as they realized that they had blasphemed the blood of Christ. It's true, you know. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Please understand. It cleanses us from all sin. From the greatest of us, the greatest of sin in us to the least. No sin is too great that it cannot be forgiven. Peter, who denied Christ, received forgiveness. Paul, who persecuted the church, received forgiveness. King David, a murderer and an adulterer, received forgiveness. And Jesus even prayed for the dogs that surrounded him. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Therefore, beloved, bring your sins to the cross of Christ. There is no sinner that Jesus can't save. And that's why we have Psalm 22. That's why Jesus suffered and died. That's why he endured the dogs that encircled him. And that's why he died on the cross to save us. And that's why we call this Friday good. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.